Welcome to the FBCLB podcast, where you'll find the preaching of Dave Delaney, pastor of the First Baptist Church of Long Beach. Thanks for listening. We'll be in the 31st Psalm, if you have your Bible tonight. Psalm 31. I am... There's two emotions in the room right now. I'm thankful that I get to preach while pastor's gone. And some of you guys are just wondering how many times you have to listen to me until he gets back. And I promise this is it. He'll be here on Sunday and things will be back to normal. Uh, thankful for Brother Derek, Brother George, and others who are willing to step in and uh, share the word with us when he's gone. Psalm chapter 31. Um, as you know, much of Psalms are prayers to God. We see that in David's life. Most of the psalms that he's written are in at least some portion of them. He'll go back and forth from talking to the reader to talking to God in prayer. And sometimes it's even hard to follow which one he's talking in. But um, because of this, these prayers are worth noting uh, for a couple reasons. Number one, we know that David is the man after God's own heart. And uh, any way that a man after God's own heart would pray is something that I can learn from, that you can learn from. Uh, they have a great author in David. These prayers are also worth noting because we know they have great authority. These are not historical books that have been found in a tomb somewhere, a temple somewhere, but rather these are writings that God chose himself to preserve for me and you. And while they are written by David, and they are prayers of David, we know that the Psalms are divinely inspired by God. The Bible tells us that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. So for that reason, we're going to look tonight at a little bit of the way that David prayed in Psalms 31. And what we can gather there. Uh, we'll start by reading in verse 1. If you're there, follow along with me in Psalms 31 and verse 1. The Bible says, In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in thy righteousness. Bow down thine ear to me. Deliver me speedily. Be thou my strong rock for an house of defense to save me. For thou art my rock and my fortress. Therefore, for thy name's sake, lead me. And guide me. Pull me out of the net that they have laid privily for me, for thou art my strength. Into thine hand I commit my spirit. Thou hast redeemed me, O Lord God of truth. I have hated them that regard lying vanities, but I trust in the Lord. I will be glad and rejoice in thy mercy, for thou hast considered my trouble. Thou hast known my soul in adversities, and hast not shut me up into the hand of the enemy. Thou hast set my feet in a large room. Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am in trouble. Mine eye is consumed with grief, yea, my soul and my belly. For my life is spent with grief, and my years with sighing. My strength faileth because of mine iniquity, and my bones are consumed. I was a reproach among all mine enemies, but especially among my neighbors, and a fear to mine acquaintance. They that did see me without fled from me. I am forgotten as a dead man out of mind. I am like a broken vessel. For I have heard the slander of many. Fear was on every side. While they took counsel together against me, they devised to take away my life. But I trusted in thee, O Lord. I said, thou art my God. My times are in thy hand. Deliver me from the hand of mine enemies and from them that persecute me. Make thy face to shine upon thy servant. Save me for thy mercy's sake. Let me not be ashamed, O Lord, for I have called upon thee. Let the wicked be ashamed, and let them be silent in the grave. Let the lying lips be put to silence. 
which speak grievous things proudly and contemptuously against the righteous. Oh, how great is thy goodness, which thou hast laid up for them that fear thee, which thou hast wrought for them that trust in thee before the sons of men. Thou shalt hide them in the secret of thy presence from the pride of man. Thou shalt keep them secretly in a pavilion from the strife of tongues. Blessed be the Lord, for he hath showed me his marvelous kindness in a strong city. For I said in my haste, I am cut off from before thine eyes. Nevertheless, thou heardest the voice of my supplications when I cried unto thee. O love the Lord, all ye his saints. For the Lord preserveth the faithful and plentifully rewardeth the proud doer. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart, all ye that hope in the Lord. Father, thank you so much for your word. God, thank you for the relevance it has to our lives today. God, I pray that tonight you would teach us to pray. Lord, from this passage, would you help awaken a desire in me and in our church for a prayer life, God, that would be real, that would be genuine, that would be before you. God, we need your help. Please help as your word goes forth tonight that you change us because of it. Help us to benefit and to learn and to grow closer to you because we looked into your word tonight. In your name we pray, amen. You'll see this uh, chapter is a little bit like a roller coaster. He's praising God. He's wishing he was dead. He's remembering times when life was good. He's, then right after that, he's remembering times when life was bad. And then he's back to praising God. And then the last two verses, he stops praying and he starts to... Talk to us, talk to the reader, and encourage us to trust in the Lord, encourage us to be of good courage, to have faith. So it's kind of hard to follow the way it all moves through, but many times in my life and in your life, our prayers don't look much different than this. If you were to write them down and read them, it'd be very interesting how we go from talking to God about this to switching directions and as our mind moves. And when you look at it through that lens and you think of the way that you pray and the way that I pray, it makes this seem a lot more relevant that you can truly see that David is just talking to the Lord and writing it down for us. That's what's happening. We see several, like I said, there's several different directions David's going. I think the first thing I notice in verse number one through three, David is uh, praying affirmation, not to himself, but to God. If you see, he says, in thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Verse two, be thou my strong rock, a house of defense. Verse three, you are my rock. And my fortress, for thy name's sake, lead me, guide me. What David is doing in these first verses is affirming not himself, but rather affirming God's position in his life. He's starting his prayer by saying, God, you are the head honcho around here. God, in my life, you're the only rock I have. You're what I hang on to. God, you're the house of my defense. You're the only place that I can go for help. God, lead me and guide me. I'm not going to follow anyone but you. Bow down thine ear to me. Deliver me speedily. All these things David is saying to God, Lord, you're all that matters to me. God, you're all I have. God, I'm not relying in men. I'm not relying in self. But God, I look to you as my defense and as my hope. You see, David prays here to affirm the lordship of God in his life. Many things demand our attention, and they pull for preeminence in our lives. We all have careers that in some way expect that job to be the most important thing to me and you. They pull for our effort, for our attention, for our mind, and they want you there. We have families 
that compete for our thoughts and compete for our attention, and as they should. We have relationships and we have personal aspirations and goals and hobbies that we all have. And all of these things are kind of fighting up the hill for that top spot. It's not anything wrong. It's just the way life goes. We're all pulled out from a million directions. And what Dave is doing in these first couple of verses of his prayer is the same thing that each of us should do as we start our day. Is say, God, out of everything that's pulling at me, out of everything that would demand my attention, Lord, you're in the middle. God, you're the rock that it's all built around. Lord, I want to affirm that I have no hope outside you. And I don't depend on anything else except you to be my defense, to be my provider, to be my source of strength, to be that rock in the middle of it all. This affirmation is, like I said, number one, it's for God. It brings God joy to hear that his children keep him in a place of priority. And it's a form of worship, like we talked about on Sunday night, when we affirm to God that he has the number one place in our lives. When we affirm to God that he holds a position of preeminence in my heart and in your heart. It's a form of praise, it's a form of worship for us to express to God how important he is and the spot that he holds. This affirmation is not just for God, but it's for us. You see, each time we pray like this, we recommit ourselves to keep God in that top spot. And as to tell God that, and for me to say that God is my rock and is my top spot and God rules my life and God is what it's all built around, if I pray that to a holy God, I hope it's true. So in order to pray that, we have to reprioritize our lives. We have to make those small adjustments and keep things on track to make sure that God is in the center. So when we affirm God's position in our lives through prayer, it's for God to bring glory and honor to Him. And it's for us because it caused us to reprioritize and keep Him in the middle. See, to commit God's position in our prayer is to build up in our own minds the thought that He is chief over our lives. David moves on very quickly from these prayers of affirmation. We see prayers of release, verses 9 through 13. Well, we would call this complaining. <laughs> David says, Have mercy upon me, O Lord. I'm in trouble, mine eyes consumed with grief, my soul, my belly, my life is spent with grief, my years with sighing, my strength faileth because of my iniquity, my bones are consumed. I was a reproach among my enemies, even my neighbors, my acquaintances. Everyone that saw me around ran from me. And David's listing all these problems. And you see, these are prayers of release, prayers of what we would call venting. Now, we all have a friend who always has to vent, right? How many of you know someone like that? Every time you're with them, they got to tell you about what's happened lately. And it's just something else, or it's the same old, same old with the same person that they complained about last time. Or for whatever reason, we all know someone who's just a venting machine. It's always, I just got to get this off my chest. Do you have five minutes? Do you have ten minutes? And those people, if you are that person, and we've all been that person at times, but you find that people get kind of tired of listening to that. The, same, the person you asked last week might not pick up the phone this week. You might have to run through your list. See, venting to people often leaves us worse off than we started. Makes us increasingly frustrated. Gets us worked up about whatever situation we feel a need to get off our chest. What David does here and what we can learn from is that venting to God is of great benefit to us. Because number one, it reveals to us the true nature of our struggles and of our issues. 
You see, if I am complaining to God, venting to God, releasing my frustration and my tension to God about a situation in life, when we know when we pray, it invites the presence of the Holy Spirit. So as I complain, for lack of a better word, to the Lord about my frustration and what has me worked up, if my frustration is not right, God will convict me of that. If the situation that I feel need to vent about is partly or wholly my own fault, God will reveal that to me. You see, when we vent to God, it's hard to vent about petty small things to the God of the universe. And it's hard to vent in situations where we're wrong to God. And those two areas are the easiest where it is, it's, excuse me, they're where it's the easiest to vent to others, right? We, we love to vent to someone else about petty things. And we love to vent to someone else when maybe we're not all right about it. Why? Because we can kind of paint the situation to make it sound like I'm right and they're wrong. You see, when we vent to a holy God, he sees the whole situation from above. And as we ask for his help and understanding maybe relationship struggles or family struggles, or whatever the situation we feel a need to vent about, if, if we vent to God, He can give us insight, and He can give us wisdom. First, to our own fault in these situations. And where I am wrong, God will show me. And where we have overstepped our bounds, God will show us. God will reveal that to us. That is not something we get by venting to our friends. That's not something that usually happens when we vent to our spouse. See, venting to the Lord and this, these prayers of release, like we see from David, they reveal to us the true nature of our struggles. They also set us at peace because we commit our troubles to the Lord. 1 Peter 5, 7, most of you could quote it. What's the Bible say? Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. That is God asking for your prayers of release. That's God asking for you to vent, for, for lack of a better word, that's God asking you to vent to him. To lay it all on the table before him. Why? Because when we vent to people, most of the time we're, we're talking to someone who has no power to fix our situation. They can listen, which makes us feel better. There's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes it, just feel, it, it does just help to get it off our chest. But when we, vent, when we vent to God, we're talking to the one who does have power over the situation. And we're asking for help from the one who actually can help with that problem. By venting to God... We're inviting divine help into the situation that's eating away at us. Whatever's frustrating us, we're asking God to step in and help. And that's not venting that's a waste of time or a waste of breath, but no, that's where help comes. That's, that's venting that can be productive when we invite God into our situations. See, David knew this. This is why he took his trouble to God. David realized that God is all-powerful to do one of two things. He can change the situation and remove David, which we saw him do in Scripture. Or he can change David and leave him in the situation. But equip him to handle it. That doesn't come from anywhere else. There's no one I can complain to that can change my situation all the time. Only God can change it all the time. There's no one I can complain to who can change my heart and equip me with the right attitudes, with the right attributes, and with the right spirit to handle the situation. Can give me humility to walk through it even though I don't want to and to defer to others when it's necessary. You see, when we take our struggles to God in prayer, it's never just a venting session. 
Or rather, we're inviting him to step in, to change us, to handle it, and asking him to change the situation and help us through. We know that David often vented to God because his prayers are recorded in the book of Psalms. But can you imagine with all the troubles that David went through, if he had not asked God for help? If all David ever did was vent to those around him, we know, A, that there wasn't always people around him. David spent days and nights alone when running from Saul with no one to vent to but God. And maybe that's why David felt it so natural and felt that freedom to go to God with his struggles because he lived a season where all he had was God to go to. David had been let down by many. We know that Saul, the, the, the king who he superseded, who he worked for and had a, a good relationship with to begin, had turned and tried to kill him multiple times, had done everything he could to send the army after him. David knew what it had been like to have a good relationship go bad. And through that, David allowed himself to be pushed towards the Lord. And whether you've lived those situations or not, whether you know what it's, whether you have a great family structure and you've always had help, and that's greater. Some of us, we, we know what it's like when there's no one, when it's only the Lord to vent to. When there's, you couldn't complain to someone else if you wanted to because there's no one left. Whether you've lived that or not, we need to take from David's experience that God is the only one who can change us through our situation, the only one who can change our situation. Prayers of release, very important to David. God wants your worries. God wants your worries. Even the best of friends listen to us vent because they want to be a good friend, right? They don't enjoy it. They don't ask for it. I don't remember the last time someone called me and said, Evan, you got anything to complain about this week? Anything I can take off your chest? Just unload it. Unload it. I got time. It doesn't happen. But God, he invites that. God says, what's, what's weighing on your mind? What's worrying you? What's stressing you out? Unload it on me. I can bear it. I will bear it. It doesn't happen with the closest of friends and family. But our God invites us to. His prayers of release were very important to David. And he gives us an example here in Psalm chapter 30. Not only do we see those, but in prayers of petition. Psalm Psalms, excuse me, verse 14 through 18. Pick up in verse 14. But I trusted in thee, O Lord. I said, thou art my God. My times are in thy hand. Now he starts asking, deliver me from the hand of mine enemies and from them that persecute me. Make thy face to shine upon thy servant. Save me for thy mercy's sake. He continues asking in verse 17, let me not be ashamed, O Lord, for I have called upon thee. Let the wicked be ashamed, and let them be silent in the grave. Let the lying lips be put to silence, which speak grievous things proudly and contemptuously against the righteous. Now, I don't rem remember the last time I, I had to pray for God to kill my enemies. And I hope you don't either. So David's specific prayer, his literal prayer, does not apply to most of us, if any of us. But what we can learn is that David was a man who was very comfortable asking his God for big things. And David looked at these situations that all would have called hopeless. When you read 1 Samuel, 
that word enemies in verse 15 gets a little more character to it. When you realize just who was after him. And just how close he came to death. Just how hopeless it was at many times. David knew that when all of us would read those stories of his life and call them hopeless, he knew where to go. He knew who to ask. See, prayers of petition are us asking God for whatever it is we stand in need of. Many American Christians specifically fail at this because we live in a society of plenty. Most of our needs are met by ourselves, it seems like. And if not, we have means very close by. See, most of us have plenty. We're never in want. And if we are, you get 15 credit card offers a day in the mail. You can open one of those and borrow for a few months till you get out of a bad time. All of us know someone we could call if we needed a ride, if we needed to borrow some money till payday, if we needed to borrow a car, if we needed help with the kids. We all have people like that, and there's nothing wrong with that. You see, we live in a society where all of our needs are met. And we're very fortunate. I don't want to downplay that. But what that does is train us to not depend on God. Because we have so much. And we do live in a land of plenty. And we are a very blessed people. You know what that means? We don't have to ask God every day for our basic needs. But don't miss this. That doesn't mean that we should not ask God every day for our basic needs. Just because we see them, and just because most of us don't even think about it. We just count on our direct deposit. We don't worry about it. We work, we get paid. We have this every month. As long as we, we didn't forget to go grocery shopping, we know there's food in the fridge. We don't even think about these things. That to so many other people around the world are a big deal every day. The problem with us is that because we don't have to depend on God for these basic needs, we wait until we have a need that can't be fixed with money or can't be fixed with man before we ever petition God for anything. And we wait until we're in a spot where there's no one but God. And then we'll turn and we'll petition him for his help. And church, God wants us to ask for help when there's nowhere else to turn. That's not what I'm saying. God invites us to go to him when all hope is lost and when man or money or any other means cannot help us. God wants us to go to him. But that's not the only time he wants us to go to him. See, God invites us in the model prayer, Matthew chapter 6. What does he say? Give us this day our daily bread. And the way that he teaches us to pray, one of the first things he says is, ask me every day that I would provide your needs. Because here's the truth of it is whether it feels like our paycheck provides our needs or the job we're blessed with provides our needs or this great country we live in provides our needs. The truth is all of our provision comes from God. No matter what the name on it is when it slips into your bank, no matter what story you go to to pick it up, we, we understand that everything we're blessed with still comes from God. So to ask him for it each day, number one is to show that we don't take it for granted. It's to show that we know he's the source. And we know if we're blessed again today and we're blessed again tomorrow, it will be because it comes from Him. God desires to bless us. He desires to meet our needs. But He demands that we ask. See, God desires to bless us, not just financially. I know I put an emphasis on that, but God can meet all of your emotional needs. 
We understand that. That the holes in my heart that feel like they, they're just never quite filled. And the things that no matter how much I pray, no matter how much I think about them, no matter how much I try to fix them, they just don't sit well with me. I have those things and you have those things. They just keep us up. Maybe not all the time, but sometimes. You know, God can meet those needs as well. God wants to fill those holes as well. God lives to meet our emotional needs. We know, obviously, God lives to meet our spiritual needs, our greatest spiritual need, which is forgiveness of sin, which is atonement, which is a home in heaven. God lived and died and rose again to meet that need. But when we stand in need spiritually of help from this book, we stand in need of advice in a relationship and struggles in life that we just can't seem to figure out how to navigate new and changing situations and life grows and it seems so hard to keep up sometimes. You know, God lives to meet those needs. God lives to help you navigate those situations. God wants to meet those needs. Physically, we know. I love Brother Johnny because every time I see him, he'll be helping around the church and he loves to make jokes about how old he is. No one else has to do it because he'll make the jokes for himself. And he always says, oh, but God keeps giving me the strength. God keeps giving me the help. You know what that teaches me? Is that as much as 23-year-old young men like to think that they can do it all, my strength at my age and at Brother Johnny's age, it comes from the Lord. And my physical needs are met every day, no matter where it may feel like they come from. My physical needs are not met by the Wheaties box. They're not met by the vitamins you take. But no, from the Lord is where we have the strength to go on. From the Lord is where we have the health to do what he's blessed us with the opportunities to do. He meets our physical needs. And here's what he wants, church, is that we ask him for those things. We're all healthy enough at least to make it here tonight. Amen? Did you ask God for that today? He was good enough to give it to us all. But did we ask? Did we acknowledge that he's the source of that? All of us ate today. All of us had our needs met, at least in a basic sense. God was good enough to meet those needs whether we asked him or not. But did we ask him? Do we give him that opportunity, that preeminence and that praise to where we at least acknowledge that it all comes from him? That it's his hand that blesses us? Do we ask him? We don't just see these prayers of petition, but we also see at the end of the chapter, prayers of praise. Verses 19 through 24, we'll read that together. David says, Oh, how great is thy goodness, which thou hast laid up for them that fear thee, which thou hast wrought for them that trust in thee before the sons of men. Thou shalt hide them in the secret of thy presence from the pride of men. Thou shalt keep them secretly in a pavilion from the strife of tongues. Blessed be the Lord, for he hath showed me his marvelous kindness in a strong city. For I said in my haste, I am cut off from before thine eyes. Nevertheless, thou heardest the voice of my supplications. What David's doing in these verses is praising God for, number one, who he is, and also what he has done. And church, what David is doing here is one of the most fulfilling and worthwhile of the Christian disciplines that we can learn and take part in. The happiest, most contented Christians are those who have learned to praise the Lord in good times and in bad times. Those who have learned to praise the Lord. We know, if we flip forward in the book of Psalms, that praising God, it's not an option, it's commanded. 
Psalms 150 and verse 6, the Bible says, Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Let's do an exercise. Everyone breathe with me. Ready? Let it out. Raise your hand if it worked. All right. Then that verse is for you. That verse is for me. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. God gives us his mandate to praise him. That's what we see an example of David doing here. Praising God for what he's done, it grows our faith that he'll continue to do great things on our behalf in the next situation. You see, when we have the mindset that looks back and doesn't just move on through every day and move on through every struggle, whew, glad I made it through, but no, looks back and says, how did God help me? God, I see your hand in this situation. And I remember how bad it felt. I remember how challenging it felt. But God, I can look back now and I see how you brought me through. I can look back now and see where your help came from. I can look back now and see where when everyone walked out, God, it seems like in that moment you walked in and you were there for me. A Christian who has the forethought to look back and thank God for his help in the last situation will have faith that God's going to help in the next situation. We're a people who are so easy to forget. How many times have I desperately prayed and asked God for fill in the blank? Whether I pray for days or, or weeks or months, God chooses to bless me with that that I asked for, and I'll thank Him that day. Right? We pray for eight days, ten days, eight months, ten months. God gives it. We thank Him that day. Oh, God, thank you. Do we thank Him the next day? We asked Him for this long. We thank him for this long. You see? Church, those who thank God more and more and more and are not quick to forget God's help in the past will have the faith going into the future that God will help again. And those Christians who are the strongest in faith and the most confident in God's presence, the most confident in God's help, who know God is there for them, who don't question God but trust his ways, the Christians who do that are those who are mindful to realize when he's helped in the past. Those who are intentional about thanking him for his help in the past. Because thanking and praising God for what he's done before will help us to believe in him for the future. See, praising God for what he's done grows our faith that he'll continue. David praises God in two areas. In verse 19, verse 21 and 23, we see him praising God for who God is, the attributes of God. He talks about God's goodness. He talks about God's kindness. 23, he talks about how God plentifully rewards the proud doer, how he preserves those who are faithful. He's praising God for who he is. See, praising God for his attributes keeps us in a, a sense of awe for our God. It's so sad in my own life how used to God that I become. How there's a God who does so much, who has done so much, and we know who is all-powerful, who is all-knowing, and being all-powerful and all-knowing still chooses to know me, still chooses to help me, still send his son to die for me, and we know these things about him, and we're so used to him. We don't meditate on the goodness and greatness of God like we should. At least I'm speaking for myself. I don't mean to rope you in with me, but I don't meditate on the goodness of God like I should. 
I almost had to coax out of myself an amazement for God. It's not natural for me to just be amazed at God. Such a powerful God. Such a good God. And we're just so used to Him. You know what helps with that? Praising God for who He is. Because when the attributes of God are always on our tongue in prayer, not only is it praising to Him, but it's reminding to us. When each day you and I talk to God about how good He is and how powerful He is, how loving He is, how kind He is, it puts those things on our mind. And it keeps within us a fresh sense of how good God is. It keeps inside of us an awe and a wonder at our God. Praising Him for His attributes. David didn't just praise Him for who He is. He praised Him for what He did. Verse 22. David is recounting a time in his mind. He said, For I said in my haste, I am cut off from before thine eyes. Nevertheless, thou heardest the voice of my supplications when I cried unto thee. See, that keys us in. Verse 22 keys us into the whole rest of the psalm. Nevertheless, thou heardest the voice of my supplications, my prayers, when I cried unto thee. David is looking back down the road. He's remembering a time when he prayed a prayer similar to this. And he says, God, you heard it. God, you answered it. So why would David bring 24 verses worth of prayer again? Because God was good last time. God heard it last time. God answered last time. And it's like what we just talked about, that the faith of David was grown by remembering what God's done before. And some of us have a long list of things God's done in our life. And you're blessed with years, you're blessed with decades of God's goodness and providence in your life and your family. I hope you praise Him for it. And some of us, whether we're young in years or we're young in, in our Christian walk, we don't have years worth of memories. But you know, we have yesterday, we have today, the blessings of God, the goodness of God, how God helped us through this day. And whether you've been saved years or months or just weeks, you have something to look back at, your salvation or some help that God has sent since, sent since then. That's a tongue twister. And we can thank Him for it. And by doing that, it grows our faith. Prayers of affirmation. In the beginning of the chapter, David says, God... I want to remind you, I want to remind myself the position that you hold in my life. God, if you've fallen from the top, I want to take you and set you back in the middle. I want to put you back at the center. I want to keep my life built around you. Prayers of release. David knew that venting to men could make him feel better. It wouldn't really change much. But venting to God is where help comes from. Venting to God is where I am changed. Venting to God is where I'm shown that maybe I'm not always right about every situation with every person. It's hard for me to believe. It's hard for you to believe. But we're not always right about every situation with every person. And God will show us that as we vent to Him. God will show us that. Not just prayers of release, but these prayers of petition. Do you ask God for the things that you need? He gives them, doesn't he? How many of God's been good to you? How many of you had everything you needed today and then some? Amen. God gave it. God gave it. 
Did we ask him? Did we just assume? We just take for granted that it would be there. And it is, and it was. But it came from him. His hand provided. Not as prayers of petition, but prayers of praise. He's a good God. Let's tell him. Let's praise him. I was made to praise the Lord, and I will praise him. Is that your prayer tonight? Is that the song in your heart? That God would make us a people of praise who are not quick to forget what he's done. We're not quick to forget his hand. We don't ask him for years and thank him for minutes. I don't want to be like that. We need God's help. We need God's help. I hope Psalm 31 is an example to you as it's been an example to me of how we ought to pray.